Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University class of 1985. Once again, my great pleasure to be back with you today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how you utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. And one of the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. This is a very special time, as it is the month of May, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And as such, we do not only have one, but two great guests right here from Seton Hall University. The first, is Dr. Monica Burnett. She's the Vice President, Division of Student Services. The second is Dr. K.C. Choi. He's the Chair of the Department of Religion and a Professor of Theological Ethics. And you may recognize their voices. They are former Thank God for Monday guests. Great morning and welcome back to Thank God for Monday, Monica and K.C. Hello, how are you? Great to be with both of you today, that's for sure. And thank you for getting up extra early to be with us this morning. Sadly, we've only got 30 minutes. We could spend hours talking with both of you about your backgrounds, about your careers, uh, certainly about Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So we are just going to jump into the deep end of the pool right now. Let's start by just finding out, please, sharing with the listeners and me from what city and state you're speaking from this morning. Monica, start us off, please. Well, good morning, Greg. I am so happy to be with you and the listeners this morning. I'm tuning in from South Orange, New Jersey. And I am uh, tuning in from uh, my home here in Summit, New Jersey. Oh, terrific. Both near the university then. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, we want to, Monica and Casey, really to get to know each of you a bit more. So, Share with the listeners, please, about yourself and about your role as administrator and our faculty at the great Seton Hall University. Sure, I'll go ahead and start. Um, so I was born and raised in San Francisco, and I moved to the Northeast about 14 years ago. And um, currently, I serve as the vice president of student services at Seton Hall, where I lead five main areas for the university. Um, the first is academic success, which really focuses on um, academic advising and tutoring, campus inclusion and community, which focuses on our efforts for diversity, equity, and inclusion, student engagement, so helping students to get connected and involved at the university, public safety and security, as well as wellness and support. So making sure that not only um, they're focused on their academics, but also their health and wellness as well. Um, I've had the opportunity to hold several roles on campus in the past nine years, from the director of the Academic Resource Center to the associate vice president and chief of staff of the Division of Student Services. Um, in my capacity, I also 
serve as the co-chair for a number of different university committees, including the Council for Student Success, as well as the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. Um, and I'm also an adjunct faculty member in the College of Education and Human Services. That is so amazing, Monica. I don't know how you ever sleep with all those responsibilities. And indeed, if we understand correctly, you're in a different role now than when you were last May when you joined us. That's right, yes. So I um, have held this role um, in the interim capacity since August of 2021, and then the full-time capacity in December. So I'll be rounding out my first year as the VP of Student Services uh, this August, but it's been a, a wonderful ride so far. Congratulations, so it's you. incredible. Casey, share with us more about you, please. Well, uh, my, my resume is not as extensive as my colleague, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, as you were um, saying at the introduction, I'm the chair of the religion department and I'm a professor of theological ethics um, at Seton Hall. And I also uh, am the coordinator for the sophomore um, level um, course, um, the university core course, uh, Christianity and Culture in Dialogue. And I also um, co-direct co or co-coordinate the Medical Humanities minor um, that's um, housed in the College of Arts and Sciences. And I also serve on a number of committees, um, all, of, uh, all of which um, are important to the university um, in terms of everything from accreditation to uh, faculty governance of a number of programs. I won't list them all, but um, that's, um, I have my fingers in, in, in a lot of different areas of the university. So, um, uh, uh, we'll leave it at that. That's so wonderful as well. And where I see real synergy, both of you are in the classroom and in administration. And that must be great ways to learn about the students and even makes you better administrators if I perceive correctly. That's, yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And KC, if I may digress just a moment, something unique about you is that you actually went to a high school, if I understand, that's run by the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the best high school, the most um, uh, stimulating and challenging high school in, in New York City. I went to St. Francis Prep in Fresh Meadows, Queens, and uh, um, everything that I am today, I um, owe it to. Uh, the teachers um, at St. Francis Prep to um, the entire um, OSF Brotherhood and um, uh, my roots um, in Queens go deep. Oh, that's awesome. Certainly they say high school is four years, but prep is forever. And I'm sure that about that. Both of you, I can just sense from knowing you from last year's interview and through this year, you just love your work very, very much, both of you. What would you say are some of the most rewarding parts about your roles. Monica, why don't we start with you, please? Sure, um, I would say for me, it's, it's three things. Uh, first, I, I really enjoy working and living in this amazing community of South Orange. You know, I think having grown up in San Francisco and having lived in Manhattan for a number of years, I, I would consider myself a city dweller. So I do appreciate how close Seton Hall is to New York City um, and all that it offers and just easy access there. Um, I also really enjoy working at Seton Hall. It's, it's the longest institution that I've ever worked at. Um, I really feel like it, it focuses deeply on student success and really making sure that students feel 
um, like they have a sense of belonging and inclusion. And when I'm looking at institutions to to stay at, it's really, you know, which institution feels like home and Seton Hall has really felt like that for me. Um, and then lastly, I, I think the most rewarding parts of my job is really working with the students. You know, I, I really enjoy learning more about them, their individual stories, and just helping them to connect to campus resources that help to navigate their college experience. You know, I think that one of the things that I love is seeing how far a student has grown from their first year to their last year, you know, how much progress they've made. You know, they come in as first year students and they might be a little bit shy or they might not want to connect to different resources, but, you know, connecting them to the right people or the right faculty members, you, you just see how much growth they have academically and professionally. So that's really rewarding for me. Casey, how about you? Yeah, well, you know, as a professor, um, I would say it's primarily about my interactions um, and my relationship with students. And um, the, the most rewarding part of um, my work at Seed Hall is when I step into the classroom and I meet these um, students who um, come from all sorts of um, backgrounds and from different um, programs throughout the university and introduce them to um, the um, deep intellectual life of the Christian tradition. And many of them um, are somewhat hesitant and reluctant to, to take um, the courses that they are required in, in religion or religious studies or in theology, but to be able to spend a semester with them and to um, get them excited about um, what um, the Christian tradition has to offer in terms of um, looking at things anew, um, differently, um, critically and constructively. Uh, that's a remarkably uh, rewarding um, experience for me. And um, uh, that's, you know, that's uh, to see, to see, um, uh, to see switches turning on, if you will, um, in students' minds. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's the primary goal. That's so beautiful, both of you sharing from the heart like this. And Casey, certainly your Franciscan formation really comes out in your comments because Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn, continuous conversion, the metanoia, the seeing the same thing differently and what you both really inferred and shared there. And myself also as a faculty and administrator, uh, it's so amazing to see the transformation even on a semester basis sometimes, but over that four year period is so, so rewarding. And there's something about Seton Hall, Monica, you mentioned is the longest term that you've had at an institution. Uh, this May 18, just a couple more days, will be 37 years. I walked across that stage to get my diploma from Suetonia. I just can't get it out of my heart. It's just so wonderful. And uh, I love, love, love Seton Hall University as you both do. And, and thousands of others do, that's for sure. Now, as we said in the introduction, it's the month of May, so we're gonna shift gears, if that's okay, a bit, and talk about Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. I'm really fascinated, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. How has your heritage shaped the person that you are today? Monica, why don't we start with you, please? How's your heritage really shaped whom Monica Burnett is? So I, um, as I mentioned, I grew up in San Francisco um, as a child of parents who immigrated to the United States from China in the 1970s, wow. 60s. Wow. 70s. 
So like, you know, many immigrants, my parents really sought to create a better life for their kids, you know, mainly through education. Um, so really education and hard work and family were really central to my heritage and were values that my parents really bestowed on me and my siblings at a very young age. Um, so luckily my parents also helped to sponsor many of my extended family members to the United States. So we grew up with a lot of cousins, a lot of aunties, a lot of uncles. Um, and my grandparents also owned a Chinese restaurant. So several of my memories really revolve around family dinners on the weekends uh, with my cousins at my grandparents' house. So, um, you know, now having my own kids and my own family, it is really important to me um, to bestow those same values, you know, of education and hard work and family. You know, those are things that, that we connect with. And luckily, um, we, we live closely, close to my my husband's side of the family. So we also now are trying to replicate the family dinners on, on Sunday. Oh, that's so amazing. I was just saying very recently, uh, it was Mother's Day, of course, very recently, and my parents have gone to God, but my four siblings are still here with me. Mm -hmm. And I was just saying to one of my siblings on Mother's Day, what I really miss the most are those Sunday meals all around the table. Yeah. How precious that is. And kudos to you that you're emulating all of that. That's right. really, really important. No doubt about that. Casey, how about you? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm a proud Korean American. Um, I came to the States uh, as an immigrant, but uh, at a very young age, when I was four years old. In fact, um, wow. my family came to the States when we were um, in, the, uh, in the late 70s um, and um, spent um, my very early childhood in Southern California. But then the rest of my, uh, my childhood, my teenage years, and so on in, uh, in New York, um, primarily in Queens. Um, so my family is your, your classic um, immigrant family, um, a classic New York immigrant family, and um, in many ways also um, a classic um, immigrant success story. But that success um, was not had without a great deal of struggle um, and a great deal of, of, of travail and, and um, heartbreak here and there. Um, and I think that's what um, has uh, certainly informed the way that I look at the world, um, that um, the, uh, my sense of, of, um, uh, of activism, my sense of my commitment to social justice, all of that has been informed uh, by um, the watching my parents um, toil day in and day out, um, you know, for um, all those years uh, trying to raise um, me and my brothers. So, uh, you know, yeah, my, my heritage definitely informs uh, who I am today, um, but it informs it in a way that uh, reminds me that, um, uh, you know, the opportunities that I had um, are in some respects um, a, a function of luck. And uh, um, it's, it's, it's something that uh, reminds me that um, I have to give back as much as I have to much, as much as I have received. So um, yeah, so it's had a profound effect on me. There is no doubt that uh, what you have achieved, both you and Monica, uh, there may have been a little luck in there, but your hard work, your perseverance, and as you said, the modeling, the values passed down by your family, 
you and your families are role models of hazard set forward our motto here, advance despite difficulties. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Now, I'm very curious, I'm sure our listeners are as well, about representation, Asian American Pacific Islander representation. Why is this so important, especially today, now more than ever? Monica? Um, I loved what Casey just said about, you know, giving back as much as you receive. And um, I really value my role here at the university as the co-chair for the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. And as a Chinese-American woman, that's very important to me. Um, but I think AAPI representation is so important for a number of reasons. I think the, you know, at its core, it really helps to build um, empathy, you know, which provides people the opportunity to see and feel things from somebody else's perspective. I think that's really important. I, I read a recent report that found that 42% of Americans are unable to name a single prominent Asian American, you know, and that's quite frankly unacceptable given that AAPI groups account for, you know, more than 23 million people and about 7% of the United States population, right? So I think it's important that representation um, happen in all fields, Um, but, you know, even thinking about one specifically like media, it's important to also note that being AAPI like other cultures doesn't also mean just one thing, right? It means showing multiple dimensions of a culture. So often times when you see an AAPI actor, for example, on screen or TV, they're often portrayed in one singular way or one the same way. So they're either foreigners with accents or martial arts experts, or for women, they are shown as a seductress or for men, the opposite, you know, so it's, it's really important that AAPI groups are not just seen as um, one group or a quote model minority, you know, they're not generalized, they're not in the same box, because continuing to do so makes people feel othered. It almost sounds like that can bring out bias, if you will, people get a certain picture, and then that's what it is. Exactly. Truly, that's the antithesis uh, of what it is. Casey, share with us some more, please, on this. Yeah, you know, Monica um, uh, captured it beautifully. And so um, I I don't really um, um, have too much to add other than, um, you know, the fact that there is, I think, in our popular culture, um, a lot of misperception of um, who Asian Americans are. And so uh, representation is, is really quite important as a way of um, resisting and complicating the kinds of um, stereotypical ways that Asian Americans are typically um, uh, understood or identified. So uh, the more that Asian Americans are able to um, make themselves, make ourselves visible in the full diversity of our community, I think uh, is important to um, changing the way that our popular culture uh, sees us and understands who we are. I mean, I think this is a problem that so many of our um, communities of color uh, face. Um, um, our popular culture has a way of, of defining uh, persons and communities um, in um, the, um, in perhaps the most, um, in, in a negative way or in the least flattering way, if I can put it that way. 
Um, so um, Asian Americans are certainly not immune to that kind of misperception. And so representation um, is important, um, at least in that respect. It's very interesting what you're inferring there about media, about television. Uh, sadly, this reminds me of a project I had to go on to uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, back when I was starting to be a brother, my formation. And when I told the students I was from New Jersey, they asked me if everybody was like the characters on the Jersey Shore. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> I said, but that perception right. from television, from media can be so strong and overpower us and really give us that negative bias, which just breaks everything down. Uh, there's no question about it. Now, Monica, you mentioned before about diversity, inclusion, equity, so important to see in a wall, so important to the Franciscans, and uh, is so important to the world at this point in time. Share with us, please, how can community members help the university in its efforts to really promote diversity and inclusion, especially on campus? Um, I think that there's so much opportunity on campus that community members can really take advantage of. I think the first step is, is definitely education. You know, we are a place of higher education and, and learning. Um, but first and foremost, I think it's really important that members really learn and understand the historical roots of, of racism. And not only against AAPI members, but against all groups, you know, while raising awareness um, through things like news articles or, or learning about current statistics, things like that. Um, there's several trainings that happen on campus, including um, trainings on anti-racism or bystander intervention. Uh, we talk a lot to our students about how to be not only a bystander, but an upstander or an ally. Um, we oh. think that those, those strategies are, are very important for community members to respond if they see acts of discrimination or harassment. Um, to get to know the campus resources. So whether it be mental health resources for students or employees or thinking about how you, know, you can get involved through um, servant, uh, servant leadership or community service or volunteering. I think it's important to, to really understand um, that equity, diversity and inclusion um, is not just one thing on campus. It has to be kind of infused in, in everything, right? So really connecting um, students to not only faculty members, but administrators and, and departments and, and offices that can help. You used a term I'm not familiar with, I've never heard before, upstander, you say? Yeah. share a little bit more about that, please? Sure, so being an upstander is really um, standing up. It, it's really at its core, you know, standing up for what is right. So for example, um, if you are with somebody who has experienced an act of discrimination or harassment, um, it's not okay just to, to stand silent. Um, I think it, it's really important to, um, in some way, acknowledge what has happened. So not necessarily directly to the person who um, did the discrimination or harassment, but to, to be there for that person who may have experienced it, right? So whether that be you know, just checking in on them and making sure they're okay, or if you see something and you are able to stand up for them um, to do so in the moment, um, there are several ways to diffuse a situation, whether it be to document that and document the incident um, or to tell somebody what happened. You know, there's def definitely ways to take action. And I think that's at the very core is what being an upstander is, is to not just experience it, but to take some sort of action. 
Wow, that's really, really powerful, no doubt about that, and very empowering. Casey, did you want to add anything to what Monica has shared there? Yeah, you know, I, I would just, uh, the question that you asked, uh, Greg, I, I would just flip it around a little bit, and I would, I would encourage um, uh, members of the wider um, community, uh, the wider Seton Hall community to, to, um, to search us out. Um, in, in other words, um, I think here at Seton Hall, we are uh, doing some amazing programming around diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, whether it's during API month or any other month. And, um, you know, the questions of representation, the questions of, of figuring out how to be an anti-racist, how to um, um, promote um, social justice. These are not issues simply pertinent to Seton Hall University, but to the wider community. And there's a lot of programming resources um, that the university provides. And um, I invite members of the community to come and, and participate in them, um, to, to seek us out um, and use what we offer as a university um, um, to bring that back into um, the wider community um, to to enrich um, the the you know the kinds of activities that um, that our surrounding neighborhoods um, can certainly benefit from. That's terrific. And before the end of the show, I'm going to ask both of you to get some contact information to the listeners in case they want to reach out to you. Time is getting short, but I have two more important questions for you. As an AAPI member. Do you have advice for Asian students and, and young students of color? Monica? Sure, I think um, it's important um, that AAPI students um, and, and young students of color kind of find their community. You know, I think that it's, it's important to kind of build solidarity, um, encourage each other <clears throat> to really create not only safe, but I would say like brave, spaces to share stories and support each other. You know, I know that there has been, um, you know, throughout the last couple of years, especially just really difficult conversations that have had to be made. And I think it's important that um, students understand and realize that we're not alone in these conversations. Like we have to lean on each other and support each other through these conversations and speak up, you know, I think against hate and violence and xenophobia. I think it's it's important to really, um, again, build uh, the education and really think about self-reflection, um, think about developing empathy and, and personal responsibility, but also really finding those ways to connect to each other so you don't feel alone. I know about safe spaces. I've never heard anyone say a brave space for the light bulb just went on. That is really, really critical. Casey, do you have some final advice for the Asian students and young students of color? Yeah, you know, the past few years have been um, challenging times, um, not just because of COVID, but because, um, uh, because of the kinds of violence and racism that Asian Americans um, generally have been um, subject to, um, have been um, experiencing. And um, it's, I think, easy to, to just feel angry and to feel resentful or, um, or um, to, to feel a lot of these negative emotions and to simply um, uh, reside in those negative emotions. But uh, the task really is to figure out how to 
um, transform those negative emotions into constructive um, action. And um, I'm just going to um, underscore something that Monica said. It requires uh, reaching out to other Asian Americans as well as to, um, to the wider community, building bridges um, to form community and to stand with each other, uh, knowing that um, uh, the kind of racism that is um, so prevalent uh, throughout um, our society today um, will only continue so long as um, um, we decide that um, um, it'll continue so long as we don't do anything about it. And, uh, but we can do um, something about it. We can uh, stand with each other. We can uh, live in solidarity and try to find ways to um, uplift um, um, all communities um, so that we can um, enjoy the common fruits that God has given all of us. He has abundantly given us those, that's for sure. I never realized the importance of community until becoming a Franciscan brother of Brooklyn and this big brotherhood community. But I'm hearing more and more from people like yourselves and others, we desperately in this year, 2022, need community for everyone now more than ever. So that's going to be our goal moving forward. I'm sure our listeners want to reach out to you. How can they best contact you for more information and to get more involved, certainly, in these great efforts of both of you? Sure. Well, the best way to contact me is via email at monica.burnett at shu.edu. So I welcome any listeners to send me an email if you have any other questions. Um, and the website is also a great way to, to get involved, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion website. Um, has a number of different um, options available, including the trainings that we mentioned. There's also links to our university library resources, which is a host of different um, elements that you can kind of uh, look at and, and learn from. Um, but it's a great opportunity to get involved there too. Casey? And um, just go to uh, the Seton Hall University website and um, just uh, punch in my name and you'll find my contact info there. And um, again, our website, if you, um, if you search uh, DEI initiatives, you'll find um, all sorts of amazing programming, many of which um, um, uh, Monica and her colleagues um, um, are, um, are are developing and, and running. So um, she deserves a deal of credit. Uh, but yeah, there are tons of resources uh, from Seton Hall University. And um, uh, I encourage the community at large to check us out. Absolutely. And once you're done checking out these great people, don't hesitate to get back on our social media, on the Twitter, the Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, indeed, we love guest suggestions, thoughts, comments, questions, et cetera, et cetera. Dr. Gamonica Burnett, Dr. Casey Choi, we can't thank you enough for all the amazing service you're doing for Seton Hall University, for the world, and the Seton Hall students. Uh, thank you for gracing us during this special month of May, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Uh, enjoy the rest of this wonderful month. And again, thank you for being role models of the world of Hazard Z Forward advance despite difficulties. Thank you so much. Thank you. Listeners, to close this show, I think we're going to call upon our Blessed Virgin Mary, who is so beloved by everyone around the world, in particular Asian American, Pacific Islander heritage people. 
So let us say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Brooklyn, pray for us all and keep us safe. Amen. Amen. Listeners, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Monica and Casey do, you'll say, thank God for Monday. See you next week for another episode. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye.